0: Hey guys, it's me, Overreactor. I am back with another episode of Official Time Out, wherein we discuss the rules of the WFTDA rulebook, that's Women's Flat Track Derby Association, and all of these rules can be found at WFTDA.com. Let's see, before we dive into the next section of the rulebook, which would B, where did we leave off? We're almost at section three. Today, we will be diving into section 2.5, Passing. And this is in the gameplay section of the rulebook. And if we have time, we'll move on into section three, which is all about scoring. Okay, so but before we do that, I kind of wanted to play a little game with you guys. And this is like my way of keeping this fun and entertaining and keeping myself engaged with it as well, because I'm having a lot of fun reading the rules. But I also like really want to get to know you guys better. And so I thought we could play a game. We'll play the two truths and a lie. I'm going to tell you three things about myself, and one of them is a lie. And what I would love for you guys to do is either send me an email with your guests. That email address is O-V-A-R-Y-A-C-T-O-R at gmail.com. Or you could leave a comment on my Instagram. I'll post a little image of the three topics, topics, stories, whatever, You could leave a comment there to put your guess, or you could send me a voice message through whatever podcast app you're listening to. There ought to be a link in the show notes that you could send me a voice message. Then you can send me your two truths and a lie through any of those mediums, right? Email me or voice message or whatever. And then I'll try and guess what your two truths are and other people can guess them as well. Okay. so. I'll tell you three stories and one of them is not true okay so my first story is that my grandmother was actually one of the very first Miss Americas and it was a competition called Miss America co-ed and it was in like 1948 I believe and the hosts of this were Danny Kaye and Ed Sullivan and so my grandmother won that competition and that's really fun okay The second story is that one time I was out, it was with one of my ex-boyfriends and he was like super into hunting and I'm not like really a big hunter, but I thought like, oh, just give it a shot because you never know, like try and do whatever you can for someone that you're interested in. So I went along and he taught me how to use the rifle, but I definitely didn't want to shoot anything because I don't like that. And so he told me just to like aim at a tree and like shoot it. And I ended up shooting an eight-point buck on accident. (laughs) But apparently, that's like a really cool thing. Um, Okay, my third story is that a couple years ago, I played a ukulele solo at the Red Rock Amphitheater in Colorado, just right outside of Denver. And it was on the same day as Nora Jones. And um, that was really an honor to be able to play ukulele at Red Rock Amphitheater. Okay, so those are my two truths and a lie. Two of them are real, one of them is not real. So send me in your guesses and I will reveal the answer next time. Okay, so that's the fun game. Let us go ahead and take a quick break and then dive into the rule book. Okay, let's get started. We are at section 2.5, Passing. Skaters gain superior position on other skaters by passing them in the counterclockwise direction. Passing another skater refers to moving such that one skater's center of mass, as demarcated by their hips, moves from behind another skater's center of mass to ahead of it. And do you guys remember how we talked about behind and ahead in the glossary? Like, this is the practical application of it. Right here, right now. So exciting. Jammers only earn a pass if the pass occurs while the jammer is wearing the star on their helmet with the stars showing. All earned passes count as passes. Passes are only earned if the jammer is upright and inbounds during the pass or another skater skates behind the inbounds jammer giving up their position. As soon as a jammer earns a pass on an opposing blocker, they also earn a pass on any opponents who are not on the track, meaning that they are not part of active gameplay for some reason and who cease to be a part of active gameplay prior to the completion of the jammer's scoring trip. This includes a skater who is sent to or serving time in the penalty box, leaves the track due to injury, leaves the track to temporarily fix equipment or skates, was not part of the jam in the first place because their team did not field the maximum number of skaters. Returns to active gameplay behind the jammer. Okay, so those are the examples of a skater who is not part of active gameplay. I'll say them again. They are sent to or serving time in the penalty box. They leave the track for injury or to... Temporarily fix equipment or skates. Maybe they weren't part of the jam to begin with because they didn't get on the track in time or their team didn't have enough skaters, or if they return to active gameplay behind the jammer. That would be like coming out of the penalty box. Okay, it continues to say a skater who passes someone while airborne is considered to be in bounds if they are in bounds when they leave the ground and the first contact they make upon landing is in bounds. A skater who passes someone while airborne is considered to be upright if the skater is upright when they leave the ground and if the first contact they make upon landing is with their skate to the track. I'm assuming that's in reference to apex jumps. All right, let's move over to the casebook scenario for section 2.5. All right, here we go. 2.5. It repeats the rule that says skaters gain superior position on other skaters by passing them in the counterclockwise direction. Jammers only earn a pass if the pass occurs while the jammer is wearing the star on their helmet with the stars showing. So now we have scenario C2.5.A. White jammer is on their second trip through the pack and has not yet earned any passes on red blockers. Red pivot receives a penalty and begins to exit the track. White Jammer passes red pivot while red pivot is still in bounds. They get one point. The white jammer gets one point. The rationale is blockers who have been directed to the penalty box but are still touching in bounds, including straddling, can still be scored upon as if they had not been penalized. White Jammer earns a pass on penalized red pivot by gaining superior position before red pivot exits the track. Keep in mind, if there were other red blockers in the penalty box, Earning a pass on red pivot would also result in earned passes on those penalized red blockers. Bum, bum, bum. And this is why it's like super duper important that if you're called on a penalty, get off the track immediately because the refs know that you are no longer in active gameplay. And if you're just hanging out on the track like, what, I didn't do anything, and the jammer passes you and you have other teammates in the box they're gonna get those points but if you would have gotten off the track right away then the other jammer wouldn't be able to score those not on the track points until they pass another one of your teammates one of your blockers that are still on the track so if you're called on a penalty your very first action should be to make your way off the track end of story like do it so That's it for Section 2.5, and that's the end of Section 2 altogether, gameplay. You guys are like experts on gameplay now. This is so exciting. So let's just keep on going into Section 3. This is all about scoring. Section 3.1, earning points. Jammers score one point every time they lap an opposing blocker. A jammer laps a blocker if they pass that opponent twice in a row without that opponent having passed that jammer but score a point only if the lapping pass is earned see section 2.5 which we just talked about if an opponent is lapped but a point is not scored because the lapping pass was not earned the jammer may yield position to that opponent and re-pass them earning a pass to score on that opponent only blockers can be scored upon all blockers are considered to be on the same trip including former jammers who have passed the star So let's see if there's casebook scenarios associated with section 3.1. What do you know, there sure are. So here's some casebook for 3.1 earning points. The rule. Jammers score one point every time they lap an opposing blocker. Scenario C3.1.A. Red jammer approaches the pack for their second trip. Red jammer passes all opponents except a white, non-pivot blocker who blocks red jammer out forcing Red Jammer to re-enter behind the pack. Before Red Jammer re-enters the pack, White Jammer passes the star to White Pivot. Red Jammer re-enters the pack, passes all opponents again, and exits the engagement zone. Outcome is four points. Rationale. As a result of the successful star pass, the White Jammer and White Pivot exchange status in terms of scoring scoring. being scored upon. Since the red jammer had already scored on the original white pivot before the star pass, they have the point for the white blocker, originally the white jammer, in this trip and cannot score it again. Keep in mind were it white pivot who blocked red jammer out and white pivot received a star pass and exited the engagement zone before being passed, the red jammer could still score four points by earning a pass on the former white jammer who is now a blocker. That makes sense. I mean, if you if you score a point on a pivot, but then the jammer comes up and gives the star to the pivot and you pass the jammer, you don't get you pass the former jammer who's now a blocker rather. You don't get 5 points because you already scored a point on that position, that blocker, and then if that blocker was the pivot, and you've not scored a point on the pivot, and then they change status with the jammer, and now the jammer is the blocker, and you pass that blocker, that would be a point. Okay, there's another casebook scenario. C3.1 point B. Red jammer enters the pack ahead of white jammer. While white jammer is approaching the pack for their second trip, red jammer passes the star and the new red jammer escapes the pack. White jammer enters the pack and passes all four red blockers, including the original red jammer. Here are the points. White jammer scores four points. Here's why. All blockers are considered to be tied together with respect to the opposing jammer's trip through the pack. Even though white jammer did not lap original red jammer, when red jammer became a blocker, this gave white jammer lapping position. Mm -hmm. So then it says scenario C3.1.C in the casebook scenario, it says that this scenario was intentionally removed. And my guess is it's probably because of the recent update to the rulebook that was just released this past January, December-ish, I believe. So I suppose rather than going back and changing all the numbers, they just say, hey, we removed this one, skip it. So we're gonna skip it. All right, scenario C3.1.D. White Jammer is on their second trip through the pack and jumps the apex, passing all four red blockers while midair. White Jammers' right skate lands in bounds with their hips ahead of all blockers. As a result of the same action, White Jammers' left skate subsequently lands out of bounds. They get four points. White Jammer's inbound status was maintained while airborne because the first part of their skate to touch back down touched inbounds. White Jammer's upright status was maintained while airborne because they touched the ground first with their skate. The fact that White Jammer touched out of bounds with the other skate does not affect the points, but it does affect their subsequent position relative to the skaters they passed while airborne. Okay, those are all the casebook scenarios associated with Section. let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll come back and continue on with uh, more of the rules yay okay we're coming back from a little break and I noticed that the previous audio segment that I recorded that the microphone was actually taking in my voice from the headphones I have plugged in which makes it sound much softer than my built-in microphone which I'm using now so I wanted to make sure to return from the break speaking in a very low voice to give you a chance to turn your volume down on your device or on your car speaker because I am not 100% confident in my ability to equalize the volumes of these two different segments that are recorded with different microphones. So go ahead, take a minute and just turn it down a bit because I do not want your earbuds to get blown out if the sound suddenly becomes a little louder. And now I'm going to start talking a little louder than normal to see if I can, not the normal, but then I was just now when I was whispering. I'm going to slowly bring my voice back to the normal position that I'm at and here we go. I'm about to cut back to the audio where um, it's probably a little bit louder than prior to this break. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Y'all, bear with me. I'm learning a lot of new things at the same time and having an amazing time doing it. Uh, It just... You know, it's going to be like one of those things, like in a year, people are going to go back and be like, oh, wow, ovary, when she started, she didn't know what she was doing, but look how far she came. See, I won't have far to go if I don't start somewhere, and this is where it's starting. So let's talk about some rules. (laughs) Okay, and we're back. Now we're going to move to section 3.2 in the WFTDA rulebook, and this is all about scoring trips. Points are grouped by trips through the pack. One trip through the pack ends and the next begins when the jammer exits the front of the engagement zone, or if no pack can be defined, when the jammer is more than twenty feet ahead of the foremost inbounds member of the previous pack. Upon completion of a trip through the pack, the jammer's score for that trip can no longer be altered by dropping back to repass any opponents the jammer did not score upon on that trip. If a jammer enters the engagement zone from the front, they return to their previous trip until they exit the engagement zone from the front again. A jammer cannot, however, fall behind by more than one trip. Whenever a jammer exits the engagement zone from the front, they return to their latest trip. If a jammer falls behind their initial trip through the pack, passes-on blockers do not count towards scoring or lapping until they return to their initial trip through the pack. When a jam ends, whatever trip the jammers are on is considered to have been completed by the jam ending. Alrighty, going to the casebook scenarios... For scoring trips, uh, three point two—that's what we did. Scoring trips points are grouped by trips through the pack from three point two, and scenario C three point two point A has been intentionally removed. Awesome. Okay, so let's go back to the casebook to look at section. Wait, oh no, that was just point A that was removed. We still have points B, C, D, and E. So, casebook scenario C3.2.B. White Pivot is sent to the penalty box shortly after the jam begins. Red Jammer completes their first trip through the pack and begins their second. Red Jammer earns a pass on two white blockers before White Pivot returns to the track and the jam is called. They get three points. Here's why. On Red Jammer's second trip through the pack, they earned a pass on White Pivot by earning a pass on the first white blocker while White Pivot was penalized. Scenario C3.2.C. At the start of the jam, Red Jammer blocks White Jammer out of bounds and skates clockwise. Red Jammer leaves the engagement zone from the rear, re-enters it from the front, and skates in bounds to the rear of the pack. White Jammer comes in behind Red Jammer and gets stuck in the pack prior to restarting their initial trip through the pack. Red Jammer skates forward, exits the engagement zone from the front, enters the engagement zone from the rear, and earns passes on all opponents and completes their initial trip through the pack. They get zero points. Here's why. Even though Red Jammer earned a pass while lapping all opposing blockers, and lapping here is in the quotations. So even though the, the Red Jammer earned passes while lapping all opposing blockers on their initial trip through the pack, passes prior to initial trip do not count toward lapping blockers. Uh uh-uh, uh, no, sorry, Bob. Not gonna pull a fast one on this gal. <laughs> All right. Scenario c three point two D. White Blocker begins the jam in the penalty box. Red Jammer finishes their first trip through the pack and begins their second. White Blocker returns to the track behind Red Jammer. Red Jammer earns passes on all opponents and exits the front of the engagement zone. They get four points. Here's why. Because White Blocker returned to the track behind Red Jammer, Red Jammer could still earn a pass on them by earning a pass on another White Blocker. Keep in mind, if White Blocker had passed Red Jammer before, Red Jammer earned a pass on another opposing Blocker, Red Jammer would have to earn a pass on the returning White Blocker to score their point as usual. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and Scenario C3.2.E has also been intentionally removed. So, let's go on to Section 3.3, Scoring Avoidance. Opponents can only avoid being scored upon by remaining ahead of the jammer or by ensuring that when they are passed, the pass is not earned. If a jammer completes a trip through the pack without the opportunity to earn a pass on an opponent, the jammer is said to have earned a pass on that opponent. This includes, but is not limited to, opponents who are ahead of the engagement zone when the jammer completes their trip through the pack via the jam ending or the jammer exiting the front of the engagement zone. Any not on the track point that the jammer cannot earn because they complete their trip through the pack without the opportunity to pass on any opposing blocker, which would earn them a pass on the off the track opponents. Opponents who are out of play behind the pack if a jammer re-enters the track from the penalty box in front of that blocker. If a jammer renders themselves unable to score points, for example, by committing a penalty or removing the star, any not-on-the-track points they would have earned while unable to score are earned once they become able to score again. If an opponent's action renders the jammer unable to score, for example, a jammer who is blocked out of bounds, the jammer continues to score not-on-the-track points as usual. Okay, let's go on over to that case book. Three point three scoring avoidance opponents can only avoid being scored upon by remaining ahead of the jammer or by ensuring that when they are passed, the pass is not earned. Scenario C three point three point a white jammer is on their second trip through the pack, and earns a pass on all opposing blockers except Red Pivot, who is in front of them. White Jammer exits the front of the engagement zone with Red Pivot still in front of them. They get four points. The Rationale. Leaving the engagement zone ahead of the opposing jammer is not a valid means for a blocker such as Red Pivot to avoid being scored upon. Via this action, they denied White Jammer the opportunity to earn a pass on them during their second trip through the pack. Thus, White Jammer is considered to have earned a pass on Red Pivot upon completing their second trip through the pack. The other opposing blockers had already been scored upon as usual. Keep in mind, had the jam ended before White Jammer exited the engagement zone, but while Red Pivot was ahead of them and also ahead of the engagement zone, White Jammer would have earned the pass on Red Pivot for the same reason, because the jam ending completes the scoring trip. However, had Red Pivot remained inside the engagement zone but ahead of White Jammer, White Jammer would not have earned a pass on Red Pivot because they had the opportunity to do so while inside the engagement zone. Okay, scenario c Point Point B. White Jammer is on their second trip through the pack. They earn a pass on all opposing blockers except Red Pivot, who is in front of them. Red Pivot forces White Jammer out of bounds and then goes out of play. Red Pivot turns around, returns to play, and ends up behind White Jammer, who is still out of bounds. White Jammer re-enters in front of Red Pivot and just ahead of the engagement zone. They get three points. Here's why. When White Jammer re-entered the track outside the engagement zone, their second trip through the pack was complete. At that time, Red Pivot was in play as such. White Jammer had the opportunity to earn a pass on Red Pivot during that trip through the pack by returning to play inside the engagement zone and then passing the Red Pivot. Scenario C3.3.C. White jammer begins their second trip through the pack. Red blocker 1 is sent to the penalty box. Red blocker 2 removes themselves from play to address an equipment issue. White jammer has not passed red blockers 3 or 4. The jam is then called off. They get zero points. White Jammer did not earn a pass on any opponents before the jam ended. Keep in mind, White Jammer had the opportunity to earn a pass on Red Blockers 3 or 4 and would have thereby earned a pass on Red Blocker 1 and Red Blocker 2 for a total of 3 points. Scenario C3.3.D White Jammer begins their second trip through the pack. Red Blockers 1 and 2 are already seated in the penalty box. Red Blocker 3 goes to the box for a penalty. Red Blocker 4 removes themselves from play to address an equipment issue. White Jammer skates past their own teammates. They get 4 points. Here's why. Because there was no opportunity for White Jammer to earn a pass on any of their opponents, White Jammer earns a pass on all of them by completing the trip through the engagement zone as defined during a no-pack situation. Casebook Scenario C3.3.E White Jammer begins their second trip through the pack. Red Blockers 1 and 2 are already seated in the penalty box. Red Blocker 3 loses a toe stop and removes themselves from active gameplay. Red Blocker 4 is issued a penalty and is told to remain on the track, but skates off anyway. White Jammer skates past their teammates and Red Blocker 4 while the officials tell Red Blocker 4 to return to the track. White Jammer gets 4 points. Because Red Blocker 4 was not sent off the track to the box, that blocker is still part of active gameplay, just out of bounds. When White Jammer skated past Red Blocker 4, the pass was earned as usual, even though Red Blocker 4 was out of bounds at the time. If Red Blocker 4 had taken off quickly so that White Jammer was denied the opportunity to earn a pass on Red Blocker 4, then when White Jammer completed their trip through the engagement zone, they would have had to earn a pass on Red Blocker 4, just as though Red Blocker 4 we ahead of the engagement zone, but still in bounds. Because there is no pack, White Jammer's trip through the engagement zone is completed when they are 20 feet or 6.10 meters in front of the foremost inbounds member of the prior pack, in this case, their teammates. Scenario C3.3.f. Red Jammer commits a penalty at the beginning of their second trip through the pack, not having earned any passes on opponents during that trip. While Red Jammer is in the penalty box, two White Blockers are sent to the box. Red Jammer is released and returns to the engagement zone. The pack is moving fast and Red Jammer does not pass anybody. The other two White Blockers are released and return to the track behind the Red Jammer. The jam ends. They get 0 points. Here's why. The Red Jammer had an opportunity to earn a pass on the two penalized White Blockers by earning a pass on one of the unpenalized White Blockers. Casebook scenarios C3.3.G and C3.3.H have been intentionally removed. So then we go on to scenario C3.3.I. Red Jammer completes their first trip through the pack and has passed one opposing blocker when they remove the star. While the star is off, the three other opposing blockers commit penalties and are sent to the penalty box. The jam ends while Red Jammer's star is still in their hand. The outcome is they get one point. Here's why. Red Jammer was not able to earn points while the star was off, but they still receive the point earned while the star was on. Keep in mind, if Red Jammer had put the star back on before the end of the jam, they would have earned points for the other, oppo- for the other opposing blockers as soon as the star was back on their helmet. And finally, we are at Scenario C3.3.J. Red Jammer begins a scoring trip and is ahead of White Jammer. Red Jammer earns passes on three white blockers, but remains behind white pivot. White Jammer successfully passes the star to white pivot, but remains behind Red Jammer. Red Jammer completes their scoring trip, having never earned a pass on the original white jammer, now blocker. The outcome is four points. Here's why. The red jammer must have at least one opportunity to earn a pass on all opposing blockers on every trip through the pack, including a jammer turned blocker. As a result of a star pass, when the jammer became a blocker, they are considered a blocker returning to active gameplay. And then it says to see section 2.5. So, that brings us to the end of section... 3.3. The only thing left we have in section three of the rule book is penalized jammers and errors in scoring and reporting. And you know what? There's not that much left. Let's just get through let's get through 3.4 and 3.5 and then we can end it clean on section three so that next week we'll be ready to go on to section four. It's not very long so I'm going to power through and we're going to do this. All right section 3.4 is regarding penalized jammers. When a jammer is penalized, they are considered to no longer be on the track, even if they are physically still on the track. Accordingly, a penalized jammer cannot earn passes on any further opponents until that jammer completes their penalty. Upon release from the penalty box, a jammer returns to the same trip through the pack, having scored on and or being in position to score on the same blockers. So let's look at the casebook scenarios. Casebook Section 3.4 penalized jammers. When a skater is penalized, they are considered to no longer be on the track. Scenario C, 3.4. A: Red jammer completes their first trip through the pack and has not passed any opposing blockers when they commit two penalties in quick succession. They are sent to the penalty box for 60 seconds, during which all four opposing blockers also commit penalties and are sent to the box. Red Jammer returns to the rear of the pack, but the jam ends before they can pass any opponents. The outcome is zero points. Here's why. The red jammer did not earn a pass on any opposing blockers, so they were not eligible to earn any not-on-the-track points. Keep in mind, if red jammer had to earn a pass on any opposing blockers. Before their penalty was served they would have earned points for the other opposing blockers upon returning to the track. Also keep in mind if red jammer had earned a pass on an opposing blocker once they returned from serving their penalty but before the jam ended they would have also earned a point on any opposing blockers still seated in the box or any opposing blockers returning from the box behind the red jammer. Okay the final section in the gameplay, nope, we're not in gameplay, we're in scoring. I said gameplay earlier, but I meant scoring. Um, The final part in section three, which is scoring, is regarding errors, errors in scoring and score reporting. Here's what it says. The official score is that which is reported and visible to the teams, officials, and spectators. If a point is awarded or denied an error, or if a jammer referee has reported a score incorrectly, the score may be corrected no later than the end of the jam after the one in which the error occurred. If there are fewer than two minutes in the game remaining on the period clock, score corrections must be made before the start of rather than the end of the jam after which the error occurred. However, points awarded or denied correctly, given the information available at the time, may not be taken away or awarded later. For example, a jammer who exits the engagement zone and is awarded four points has earned those points, even if, upon review, they were found to have committed a penalty two trips prior and thus would not have been able to earn those points. So that's how they handle the errors. Let's see about casebook scenarios. Oh, nope. No scenarios for section 3.5. Okay. Wow. We really covered a lot of ground today. We got through the end of section 2, which was about gameplay. And we got through all of section 3, which was about scoring. So, um, anyway, we're going to end it there, and next week we'll pick back up at section four, which is about penalties, and I hope you guys have a really great week, and don't forget, send me an email, or send me a voice message, um, with what you think, the answer to my two truths, and a lie. Here's a quick recap. Which of these things is a lie? Was my grandmother one of the first Miss Americas with Danny Kaye and Ed Sullivan? Did I accidentally shoot an eight-point buck deer? Or did I play a ukulele solo at Red Rock Amphitheater in Colorado? Two of those things are true. One of those things is a lie. And be sure to send me in your two truths and a lie, and we'll play that game together. Because, you know, rules are rules and rules are good, but it's also fun to play games. (laughs) All right, you guys, I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.